Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a devotional reflection upon the New Testament lesson from the Order for Evening Prayer from the Book of Common Prayer 1928. These reflections are written and presented by Father Charles Erlinson, who serves at the Church of the Good Shepherd Reformed Episcopal Church in Tyler, Texas. Today is Friday of the 19th Sunday after Trinity. The lesson is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 35. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow-servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow-servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow-servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow-servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Growing up in Champaign, Illinois, until the age of ten, I had a pretty idyllic leave-it-to-beaver childhood. I remember thinking sometimes that life wasn't all that good. The sources of my suffering, the teasing of my siblings, the Green Bay Packers team losing the game, or the Chicago Cubs not winning the division title, or losing the spelling bee in school that I thought I should have won. But when I compare what I thought was childhood suffering to some of the things that my former students have suffered, shattering divorces, neglecting parents, 
broken relationships, sometimes even abuse, I find that what I thought was suffering doesn't even compare. In the same way, we sometimes make too much of the ways that people offend us. But when we compare them to the size of how we have offended God, we find that the offenses against us aren't that large after all. And that is the point of this morning's lesson from our Lord, that considering the magnitude of the sins that God has forgiven us, we are to forgive the small amount that others have sinned against us. As Christians, we are to live in the kingdom of heaven. This means that we are governed by the rules of heaven, the laws of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, things work differently than in earthly kingdoms. We pray rightly, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, heaven has been brought down to earth, that earth might be brought back up to heaven. The process of salvation is one of man being made like God and recreated to live in the presence in his presence in union with him forevermore. Man is to be reborn into the image of Jesus Christ, the perfect man. And so it is, that as God has forgiven you, you are to be made like God and forgive those who have sinned against you. The starting point is the forgiveness of God. If we start here, the rest is easier. And if we start with others' trespasses against us, we may never make it to the part about God's forgiveness. God is the master who has forgiven you much. How much he's forgiven us is something that we always underestimate. It's hard for us to even understand the existence of our sins, much less how terrible they are against the one who is God. I think a lot of Christians believe they make it through most days without sinning. Wrong! That just means you may not be very sensitive to the sins in your life. This blindness to the sin in our lives is just one more measure of how much we have offended and continue to offend against God. Only if we understand the magnitude of our debt to God, which means we first understand how grand and glorious God is, can we understand how much we have been forgiven. This forgiveness of sins, however, isn't automatic. If it were, we'd have to be universalist and say everyone goes to heaven and receives God's blessed presence, regardless of everything else. In the parable, the servant had to ask to be forgiven, and so must we. God's forgiveness comes only through the means he has offered the life of his Son. To be forgiven, we must accept salvation through Jesus Christ, which means acknowledging our sins and seeking forgiveness from God. If we truly accept God's forgiveness, offered only through His Son, then we must be made like the Son. When someone's wronged you and seeks forgiveness, do you think they truly seek forgiveness when they won't look you in the eye, when they say it without feeling or with obvious resentment? Then why would we expect God to truly forgive us when we don't come with a truly penitent heart and with humility? But Jesus takes us even further into the heart of God. It's not enough merely to seek forgiveness. We must also seek to forgive those who have wronged us. In the parable, the servant also had to forgive. When he didn't, he was punished. Forgiveness by God is mysteriously dependent on our forgiving others. Forgiving others is therefore not optional. It's proof that we have been forgiven and received the new spiritual life that comes only through the forgiveness by God through His Son. The main point of the parable, therefore, is to forgive as you have first been forgiven. For this reason we find forgiveness, God's and ours, in the very heart of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Pray that prayer, therefore, is a means to become like the Son. If you call yourself a Christian, who are you to accept God's immeasurable forgiveness, but to refuse to be like Him by forgiving others their pittance? Are there those you have not yet completely forgiven? You are obligated to forgive them. This is the clear commandment of God. You cannot refuse it. This forgiveness which is required for the Christian is often a process, and one that must be repeated. The 70 times 7 is not a limit by which we may come to an end of forgiveness, but is representative of forgiveness without limit. I, for one, am glad that God didn't stop forgiving me its sin 491. 
We shouldn't be discouraged if we have to repeat this action of forgiveness. How often have you had to seek God's forgiveness for the same sin over and over? Then we must forgive others this often, from the heart, each and every time. Forgiveness is therefore sometimes a process and not always a once-for-all thing. Corey Tenboom told of not being able to forget a wrong that had been done to her. She had forgiven the person, but she kept rehashing the incident, and so couldn't sleep. Finally, Corey cried out to God for help in putting the problem to rest. His help came in the form of a kindly Lutheran pastor. Corey wrote, To whom I confessed my failure after two sleepless weeks. Up in the church tower, he said, nodding out the window, is a bell which is rung by pulling on a rope. But you know what? After the sexton lets go of the rope, the bell keeps on swinging. First ding, then dong. Slower and slower until there's a final dong, and it stops. I believe the same thing is true of forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we mustn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bell slowing down. And so proved to be, Corey wrote, There were a few more midnight reverberations, a couple of dings when the subject came up in my conversations, but the force, which was my willingness in the matter, had gone out of them. They came less and less often, and at the last stopped altogether. We can trust God not only above our emotions, but also above our thoughts. And then there is the cost of forgiveness. In the parable, what was sacrificed by the forgiver was a sum of money. In reality, what was sacrificed for forgiveness was the body and blood of Jesus Christ. For us, the sacrifice may be our pride, the deliciousness of feeling superior, the anger and bitterness that may feed us, etc. One of the most incredible movies I've ever seen is the movie To End All Wars, which is based on a true story. In World War II, a Scottish regiment is captured by the Japanese during World War II and put to work constructing a 400-mile-long railroad. They are treated brutally and harshly. Many die. Two views of how to deal with the situation emerge. Major Campbell, governed by revenge and hatred, wants to escape and kill their captors. However, following the example of a POW named Dusty, Ernest Gordon, another POW, he starts a secret school and spreads the explicitly Christian gospel of forgiveness. One by one, the other POWs follow Ernie's teaching of forgiveness. In spite of the fact that Dusty himself is brutally murdered, actually, he's crucified, the POWs learn to forgive their enemies and learn to sacrifice for one another. This astounds the Japanese and gives hope and life to the POWs where they did not have it before. These POWs had to give up their pride and their anger, their revenge and their hatred, but they gained their souls, for in learning to forgive, they became like God himself. And so if you are having trouble forgiving, remember how much you have been forgiven. But if you have learned to forgive, then blessed are you, for you are acting like God and are a child of God. Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a presentation of Always With Christ Radio, radio in the Anglican way.